what is good everybody welcome back to another episode of the bird flock podcast um as you guys know home of your 2023 gray cup champion montreal alouettes Shane, i don't know about you i'm still buzzing it's been well over a week now engine in towards two weeks and i'm buzzing still yeah i'm I'm still humming it, and that intro just doesn't is i don't think it's ever gonna get old uh hearing the the 2023 great buddy it's gonna be it's gonna be 2028 and i'm gonna start an episode of the bird <laughs> saying welcome back home with the 2023 great cup champ montreal Alouette. it's always gonna give me chills man i know fuck well we got a special one for you guys today um it's our way way too early free agency special um obviously as we know as one season comes to a close um in football especially another one opens up very very quickly um we're already december uh which is crazy and the free agency window for um the cfl opens up this year on february 13th and then the one week before that is the negotiation window which is where we saw a lot of the big names fall last year um obviously with the situation montreal was in last year we didn't see a lot of uh a lot of updates until the window was actually open and things became official that's when Cody signed that's when Greg Ellingson came in that's when Justin Lawrence came in all within a 20 minute span pretty much um when you know Danny got the checkbook back from his dad basically but uh yeah the Owls obviously have some some fairly big names on the board um Shaner I I don't know just quickly we'll go over the list one by one here position by position but before we get started um any thoughts on just free agency in general I just want to say, and this might be a hot take because, you know, it's cool, like, seeing in the negotiation period, like, seeing the names when they sign. But that 20-minute period was part of the most electric 20-minute period of my life. Just, I remember being in Florida and you just kept hitting me with guys that were that were coming in. So, um, I like the negotiation period, but finding out that the boys signed um, when it was official was, was a, an electric period for me. Um, but free agency, obviously... You know, last year was tough seeing a bunch of guys leave. I don't think it's going to be the same situation this year, especially um, obviously coming off the Great Cup. These guys are going to want to try and run it back. Um, so looking forward, obviously it's very early, but looking forward to the new names brought in. Um, there's definitely going to be new names. There's going to be switches. You're not going to have the same guys on the roster no matter what um, <clears throat> in back-to-back years. So um, excited to see what happens, even though it's very early. I don't know. According to Danny Mac, he said it at the presser yesterday. Everyone wants to come back. I don't know if you saw that, but he, he I said, did. But like I said, it, it's tough to keep every single person. Yeah. Um, you know, you sit there and, and obviously you want the guys back, but money's got to work. And, and some of these guys uh, were on contracts that are definitely not going to be signing again this year. You look at a guy like Bev, um, who's really stepped in and, and played linebacker this year instead of special teams. I don't think he's coming back for the same money that he he was coming back for last year. And no, yeah, you're right. You absolutely shouldn't. Yeah, 100%. Like, I, we're we're fans of the team, but I think being so connected to the players and, and seeing the players and talking to the players, I want these guys to get fucking paid, man. Like, I, I want the team to succeed. I'd love if they took some team-friendly deals. But I want to see, I want to see what the, the, my dogs get paid, for sure. Um, but yeah, making a lot of that comment, making – of that comment that Machocha said at the press conference yesterday, which by the way, was great. Um, just all the info we got from, uh, from Mark Waitman and just the, this, the staff in general, just about 
how great this season was from a ticket sales perspective um, and all that and how much they've benefited from the Great Cup win, obviously. Um, but since the Great Cup, they've had 800 new season ticket holders, which is wild. That's insane. Um, like 24% increase in ticket sales year over year. Um, they sold more merch the day after the Grey Cup than they did in the last year and a half, which is crazy. Mine's coming in the mail soon. I'm excited for that. And I, I have, I got confirmation that something else is shipped. It shipped on Wednesday. No. And it's a piece and a half, ladies and gentlemen, especially after the Grey Cup that this guy had. It oh, is coming in the mail. Finally coming. Let's um, go. I'm not going to tell you guys. If you guys follow us on Instagram, you've seen us posted on Instagram when I actually uh, acquired the item, but uh, no, I got confirmation that it's in the mail right now and it should Active. be, could be here tomorrow. Um, so I'm fired up for that. Um, but yeah, just, just speaking to, you know, what M- Machocha's comment was of, you know, everyone wants to be back. I don't think I've ever heard a GM say that in any sports setting ever, especially a football team with 52 guys on the roster with 25 plus pending free agents. It's it's a big thing to say, and I think it just speaks to the culture that we've built here in Montreal. Not we, but that especially Montreal a team that wasn't supposed to be here. So especially gonna, a team that wasn't. I'm going to keep throwing that in all off season. Hundred percent. It's it's just crazy, and it, it makes me so excited for next year. Like they said last year, they said this year they're on a five year plan right now. Imagine winning the Grey Cup on year one of your five year plan. Like how much that accelerates your process. And I'm not. I don't think it was a five year plan for you know, the team and things like that and building the team. I think it's as an organization, as a franchise, they had to put together a five-year plan to make sure that this ship stays floating, right? Because there's there's been some scary times in Montreal um, with the football team. We've lost this team a few times already. Um, and I think no one wants that to happen again. So I'm just really excited to see, you know, the kind of steps that they're putting into place. And obviously this great cup victory is just going to accelerate that process so much. Yeah, I think it's it's, a given when when you see a team succeed, you kind of want to jump on the bandwagon, I guess, and and not saying that that's what people are doing, but there's obviously some that are. Um, obviously, seeing season tickets go up, um, the presence that they the players have talked about um, in in some of the interviews with us and how they feed off the crowd, especially in Montreal and um, on those on those nights where you know sometimes it's, it might be tough to get up for a game. Um, you know, feeding off the crowd, especially late in the in the quarter, just adding more fans to the stadiums, gonna help them um, feed feed off the energy more. And uh, like we've talked about the the way that the stadium came to life um, this year, like we hadn't seen it before, um, especially late in the fourth quarter on Friday, Saturday nights when all the phones were out um, and the crowd was buzzing. That's gonna be massive, and and the vibe in the stadium is only gonna keep getting better if the more this this team succeeds and. Um, there's no turning back now. You, you like you said, you won you won the Great Cup in, in year one of your five year plan. Um, you know, you're obviously unfortunately, I hate to say it, you're not gonna win it every year in your five year plan. Um, I mean, hopefully you do, but it, it let's be realistic. Um, so it's just about fielding a competitive team, a team that um week in and week out can can win any any given week. Hundred percent. One hundred percent. And I think uh the more money this team brings in, the the higher the likelihood here we get a new stadium. That would be massive. I would love that. Um, also, just quickly in in stadium news, um, the Owls announced last year that there's going to be a new jumbotron in the end zone, and they they said yesterday that there was it's coming from Asia, and there was a bunch of delays and things like that, and it never made its way here last year. Um, but it's officially 
scheduled to be installed this offseason. So week one of next year or whenever the Owls play their first game next year, we will have a brand new Jumbotron in the end zone because uh, that one needed replacing for sure. And uh, apparently we got something real nice coming. We also got a banner coming in case you forgot. Also got a banner coming. Fired up for that. Fired up for that. Might need to make the Jumbotron a little smaller to fit that new banner. Um, so really quickly here, Shane, you mentioned before, um, obviously coming off a great cup win, your goal, you want to keep the nucleus together. And I think Danny Machocha touched on that really well in the press conference. You want to keep the core guys together. You want to keep as many guys together um, from this squad as possible. But before we get into our pending free agents, you mentioned that there's obviously going to be new names and we're fired up for new names to come in. So the CFL released their list of the top 30 free agents. Um, I'm going to go through them 10 at a time and then we'll handle this quickly. Any names that jump off the board for you that you want to touch on a little bit more we'll uh we'll stop on touch on those a little bit more so let's go 30 through uh 21 here so number 30 jamal peters from toronto number 29 sean oakman from toronto number 28 sean lemon number 27 drew brown uh number 26 jamarcus hardrick from winnipeg number 25 jameer thurman 24, Sean Bain Jr., 23, Justin Hardy from Ottawa, 22, Stavros Katsatonis from Hamilton, and 21, Javon Leak from Toronto. Any names jump off that board for you? I mean, obviously, the first name that jumps off is is our own guy there, um, Sean Lemon. Obviously, we've touched on him. I've talked about it every episode, I think, since he signed his impact, um, since he get, came here. Obviously, he's, he's one of those guys, I think, um, obviously – an older guy, but one of the guys I think has to be part of the um, the answer and the nucleus for at least the next two years, in my in my opinion. Um, we'll get into know, that a little later, though. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I think the the next name that kind of jumps off the board first um, is Jamarcus Hardrick and what he's done in his career, and everyone's um, you know kind of kind of complained uh, about the O line and keeping Cody protected and. That's a big name in the CFL at um, a position that uh, we had two guys start at this year uh, in Rice and McGloster. Um, you know, two guys that, that were were good, but um, if you could get a big name like that in here, uh, that would be massive. Absolutely. I agree. I think out of these, these 10, Hardrick is definitely the name that pops off. Um, and then not one for the Alouettes, but just the name I'm really excited to see is Drew Brown. Um, I think it's safe to say he'll be a starting quarterback in the CFL next year. We'll go into camp to compete for a job somewhere for that starting job. So I'm really excited to see that. Um, and then obviously someone like Jamal Peters, I don't think is really what the Alouettes need to be after at this point. He's a great defensive back. He was, you know, unreal two years ago as well. Um, but for me, jumping in now to 20 through 11, there's some big names here. So Demario Houston out of Winnipeg, uh, Brendan Dandridge out of Ottawa, uh, Ben Vladek out of BC, Winton McManus out of Toronto, Tyrese Beverett, uh, Brandon Ravenberg from Hamilton. Uh, we're missing one here. Willie Jefferson, Alexander Hollins, Darius Sirocco, and AC Leonard. Going through that once again, I, I mean, your own guy in, in Bev, but like we said, we'll we'll get to that later. Um, 
I think a guy like McManus kind of steps up and, and the leadership he showed in Toronto and that that kind of depends on, you know, your own situation is, is Sankey coming back. Um, he's the ideal replacement. I think if Sankey does, does walk out the door um, in my mind. Um, but I think you have to look at a guy like Demario Houston. Yep. Um, I, I don't know what they're going to do on the outside there. Um, are they going to go with Rogers and, and Ento, which is, we saw it couldn't be successful. Is Ruffin going to come back? We don't know. Um, depends how comfortable you are with that position. I think Rogers and, and Ento and Ruffin did a very good job this year. But if you're looking to, to upgrade, Demario Houston's been a, a big name in the CFL for, for the last couple of years. And he's he's a guy that I think Montreal should should be going after um, to bolster Noel Thorpe's defense late in the season. Absolutely. Shane, you're taking the, taking the words out of my mouth here. The only one, the only other one I'll touch on um, is Willie Jefferson. Not because I, I think he's the a big need for Montreal or would even be a great fit in Montreal. I think he would be, but because he, he's the type of player that'll go in and make an impact anywhere. Kind of like what we saw with Sean Lemon. I think um, he's just the first ballot Hall of Famer. 100%. He he's, a, he's a zero ballot Hall of Famer. He's, he doesn't even need to retire. They should put him yeah. in the Hall of Fame while he's still playing. Um, but just the fact that Willie Jefferson's on this list, and there's some guys down the list here as well. Um, it seems like we're finally going to see. Also, the fact that he's not top ten is wild. Yeah, he should have won. He should have won. I don't care who is one. That he is needs crazy. To but anyways, it's just crazy that we're finally seeing the the band breaking up in Winnipeg. I think you, you knew it was coming. You felt that, especially if they didn't get it done this year, that it was definitely not a hit the reset button completely, but it's going to be a reload for sure. And they're going to lose guys like Willie Jefferson. They're going to lose guys um, like Demario Houston, like some other guys that we haven't even named yet on this list. Um, but yeah, we're finally seeing kind of the explosion of that nucleus in Winnipeg. Now into the top 10 here, we have a former Montreal Alouette in Micah Awe, who had an unreal 2023. Um, we saw him in Montreal. He was always a player. He was, in on every play he was exactly what you want out of an interior linebacker i would say um he was just all over the place uh number eight another former alouette here and darius pickett pick six pickett my guy um number seven somehow not quebecois aj willette thought for sure he was quebecois <laughs> um number six keon hatcher number five the boy darnell sankey number four is a big name massive name Dalton Schoen. Uh, three, another huge name. Tim White. Two, Matthew Betts. And one, Brady Oliveira, the most outstanding Canadian from 2023. Yeah, I think um, a name I'm going to touch on. And in the top 10, no one really stands out to me um, as a fit in Montreal. Um, if if we're bringing back our guys here, except for Sankey, obviously our guy that we want to bring back. Mm -hmm. But I want to touch on Dalton Schoen. And I think that's gotta be priority number one for Winnipeg. I get the defense has been outstanding, but if he's not the first free agent signed in Winnipeg, I would be shocked. Um that's Caleros's guy. He came in, he was, you know, rookie of the year was outstanding. Um was a big reason that they didn't get a lot of offense generated really um against the Alouettes in the Great Cup because of his injury. Um so uh, to me I think he's gotta be the first first guy off the board. Number two Matthew Betts is kind of the only guy I see as a fit in Montreal. Um, you know, Laval product is he want to come back to, to his home province and, and play 
Um, for a team, I would assume that he cheered for growing up. Growing up, I don't know. Yeah, he he was a Montreal boy. He went to, uh, he went to CVM. Yeah, so I'm gonna assume. I'm not gonna speak for him. I don't know him that well. If he grew up an Alice fan, I'm just gonna assume he was growing sure. up here. Um, but yeah, I think if Lemon does happen to walk out the door, you got to throw a bag at Matthew Batson. <laughs> so what he did this year, he was unstoppable. Um, just off the edge, he was he was insane and. He's obviously younger than, than Sean Lemon, and if you want to go that route um, and have two young pass rushers in, in him and Luol Uguak, then throw the bag at Matthew Best and hope to God he comes over here. Yeah, I mean, the the name that jumped off of here for me was number two, Matthew Betts, 100%. Um, a guy who wasn't really given a fair shot at his first landing spot in Edmonton um, and didn't blow up until this year, really, in BC, um, and has proven to be one of, if not the most dominant defensive player in the CFL. Um, but you said if Sean Lemon happens to find his way to walk out the door and things like that, um, I think that there is honestly a world where Uguak, Lemon, and Matthew Betts are in a three-man rotation at DN. Um, that would be insane. I I, th- I think there's a world in, in which that can happen. Um, obviously, it's going to come with sacrifices on other parts of the ball too, right? That could mean, you know, maybe Sankey doesn't come back or something like that. Um, it could definitely mean that because the money's got to come from somewhere. But, uh, and who the fuck am I to doubt Sean Lemon? But he's he's going to be 35 or 36 years old this year, I think. I could be totally aging him and I'm so sorry if you're not 35 or 36. But um, I, I don't think I'm far off with that number. And Sean Lemon was amazing this year. But he we also have to... He's turning 35? He's thir- currently 35. Oh, my God. Yeah, I got you, Paul. Um, so th- there is a world, right? Sean Lemon was amazing this year. Sean Lemon also only played half of the season, right? A 35-year-old is going to need some rest on those legs midseason. I don't care who it is, right? Like, it could be Aaron Donald out there. Um, a 35-year-old is going to have more wear and tear than a 20-something, without a doubt. Um, and the Alouettes are smart. I think they realize that. Um, and that's why I, I can see a world where we have a three-man pass rush, which would be the best in the CFL, by the way, of Luol Uguak, Matthew Betts, um, and Sean Lemon with Mustafa Johnson and, I don't know, Mondo or someone down the middle. That's the best D-line in the CFL. I don't care who says it, but I think there's a world where that's possible, and that would be dream ideal scenario for me. Yeah, I think, like you said, um certain point, he's not going to want to play every down. Um, his body's just going to give up at some point, right? Um, most athletes do at, at a certain age. Um, didn't show signs of it this year, and, and I'm not assuming that it's going to happen next year. But um, can you just imagine how much fresher he's going to be come playoff time um, in the big moments like he was this year after not playing the whole season in uh, adding a guy like Matthew Betts and – uh, and then you just look at Luol Uguak learning off of the guy that just won defensive player of the year and a first ballot Hall of Famer, um, teach him, teaching him pass rush moves. Not that he, you know, needs that much help based on He's the way freak. he played in the second half of the season and, and being the first round pick, but that just uh, two mentors like that can only uh, expand his game. And we've seen in Montreal throughout like our lives, it's been pass rush, central uh with Anwar Stewart and, and John Bowman and and guys like that that have come throughout our time um 
they're kind of building Lual Ugwak to be the next name, I think, and, and having those two guys mentor him would be massive. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's my dream scenario. That is my number one outside of the building target without a doubt. Um, last year was Cody. I got my wish. But uh, this year I am all in on Matty Ice. I don't know if I'm going to be able to pull off the performance I had last year in last year. Oh my God. Oh my God. That was freakish. (laughs) I hit like eight of 10. That was ridiculous. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so then jumping into guys we want to keep in the building. um, We posted a graphic over on Instagram, uh, Twitter, Facebook. If you don't follow us there, bird flock pod, the bird flock pod, just about everywhere. Um, and that's the 2024 Alouettes pending free agents. Um, starting off on offense, on the offensive side of the ball, this will be a quick topic here. Quarterbacks. Zero. None. Zero. Everyone's coming back. The best quarterback Maybe. room in the CFL is coming back. Um, Caleb Evans, Davis Alexander, Cody Fajardo, all under contract for 2023. Um, I think it's also important for people to note that just because someone is under contract doesn't mean they make the team doesn't mean they choose to come back right they can go try out for the nfl they can go to the xfl um they can do just about whatever they want so um just because we're naming them now or not naming them now doesn't mean you're going to see them in week one next year uh hopefully we see all of them because we're coming off a great cup squad but um there's obviously going to be roster shakeups throughout the season going over to running backs that room is going to be lonely for coach uh, terrell sutton just about everyone on the roster is a free agent this offseason. Um, going through the list, we have fullbacks, Alexandre Gagné and James Tuck. <clears throat> and then jumping into the actual running back room, Jeshren Antwi, Walter Fletcher, and William Stanback are all free agents. That's tough. Because That's... you know this three-headed monster is not going to be back next year. I know for a fact that one of them is not going to be back next year. You know, for a fact that every single one of you knows exactly what I'm talking about. If you've listened to an episode and that doesn't Uh, mean we don't want him back. I would kill. I told it's been very well documented. I am the leader of the Walter Fletcher fan club. Uh, I was very upset all season. I don't think he'll be back and I'm going to see him play for another team. Just like I did with Dominic Davis last year. And I'm going to cry every single time. Yeah. Stand back and Antwi, I feel like I can almost guarantee that they will be back in the building. The, the number one I can guarantee almost, I think, is Jess Um, Just because of how much value he has, right? He's great on special teams. In a few games this year with some penalties. He's the um, greatest punter I've ever seen in my entire life. The greatest life. punter I've ever, I've ever seen in my games. life. Um, but no, it's the fact that he's a national, right? Um, for anyone who doesn't know the rules around football, the rules around roster construction in the CFL. Um, You have to have a certain amount of Canadians on your roster, on the field at all times. Um, And there is a ridiculous amount of value, obviously placed on national, so Canadian players that can stay on the field, right? That can actually go in there and and be competitive. And Jeshren Antwi is someone who can go in there and be an every down running back for you if you need to, go on special teams, um, and make tackles and make blocks and be a great special teamer. So he has so much value. Um, so I do not see a world where he's not back in Montreal. Um, obviously, you said it last week too, just the way he was acting at the parade, the way he loves this city, he loves this team. 
I don't see a world where he's not back. I don't see where a world where Machocha doesn't reciprocate that that feeling. Um, and then William Stanback, Machocha made it very clear at the press conference he is meeting with Stanback this week. I don't think they want this to drag out. I think he wants Willie back in the building. I don't blame him. This is the leader of the team. This is the face of Montreal football, and he will be until he retires. Um, I think it's a no-brainer that Stanback will be back. I would be very surprised if he wasn't, and more I'd be very sad if he wasn't because he is still the best running back in the CFL, and I'm I'm struggling to, you know, Brady Oliveira is great. There's great running backs in the CFL. No one puts it together like William Stanback for me. No, um, I think, you know, Brady Oliveira, he's – He's more of a one-dimensional back, I think, uh, kind of ground and pound. We've seen the way, <clears throat> excuse me, that William Sandback can be used in the pass game and, and stuff like that. Um, so I, I'm obviously Homer and and say that he's the best running back in the CFL, and I honestly believe that um, he's not a guy you could let walk out the door and, and replace in in any way, um, unless you're finding a way to bring in Brady Oliveira and Walter Fletcher and and use them as a two-down, you know, two-man rotation instead of having that one guy that could do it. I don't well. even want that though. No, I, I mean, I want William Stanback to stay. Like you said, he's the face of Montreal. You can't sit here and, and let the face of, of your football team walk out two, two years in a row. Yeah. And this is, it says a lot, right? Like it, it was the same thing with Gino. William Stanback is a Montrealer. He lives in Montreal. His family lives in Montreal. His kids go to school in Montreal. He is a Montrealer. Um, and I don't think you can just let, him walk like he did Gino last year. Um, so I am very confident that Stanback will be back on. Obviously, he holds a little special place in our heart. Our first ever interview, friend of the show. Um, so we hope uh nothing more than for Willie to be back next year. Receivers, a lot shorter of a list than I thought. Um He's massive. Reggie Sibasu, Greg Ellingson, Jake Hardy. Um, so Sibasu and Hardy are both nationals. Ellingson is obviously American. Um, of this list, obviously Ellington would love to see him run it back and actually play in Montreal. I don't think I saw him once this year. Like I, every, any game that he was potentially in, I don't think I caught him. I must've been away from the TV or something. Um, and then Sibasu, who scored his first career touchdown this year has been great on special teams. Um, and honestly a really good blocker and things like that for short yardage. Um, and just those situations, if the Alouettes want him back. Um, I don't see a world where he's not back. Uh, and then Jake Hardy uh, filled in, stepped in at some times, made plays, made great catches. Um, he, he's he's a toss up for me. Um, I would love to again. I I, I want to make it very clear. Every name I read on this list, I want back in some capacity. Right? I want to run it back with the same squad. I know the reality of sports, but um, Jake Hardy, I just don't have enough of an opinion on to you know give you guys anything more right now. Yeah, I think, unfortunately, I think <clears throat> Ellingson's done in Montreal probably based on the way that the starting five balled out um, for us. And, um, you know, th there's just no room. Uh, Jake Hardy, I think he's one of those guys that's going to go somewhere else and try and get a, a, a bigger opportunity. Like I said, that starting five, the fact that none of their names are on this list is is insanely uh, massive for this team. <laughs> and in... Um, you know, the guys that I'm talking about, Sneed, Phil Pot, Kayon, obviously Austin Mack. Um, Reggie White is under contract. We didn't see him all year, man. Um, Cole Speaker. So that's six guys right there that 
you know, are locked in and, and there's there's no no really moving those guys. Um Sibasu though, uh if you like you said, if he wants to be back, he's gonna be back. Danny very, very well known that he takes care of his Montreal boys. Um, like you said, a national that could play on the field at almost every down. Um, he's gonna he's gonna run it back. Hundred percent. Jumping over to the O line now, we have uh, we have five nationals here. So O line again, just for for you guys who don't know or aren't super familiar with the intricacies of this, O line is somewhere where they try to stash a lot of national guys. That's where they want to fill a lot of national guys. Like Montreal's big Grey Cup runs in. 2008, 2009, 2010 um, was led by five starting Canadian offensive linemen. Um, that's a huge value. If you can get five Canadian offensive linemen that are the greatest good on the field, I've ever seen in my entire life. That is the hundred percent, one hundred percent. I think it was Scott Flory, Josh Bork, Jeff Parrott, Paul Lambert, Brian Chu. Unreal, unreal. LBJ stepped in for Chu at some point. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so on the O line, we have David Brown, Philippe Gagnon. Jesse Gibbon, Christian Matt, Landon Rice. Um, pop option. Any any names here stand out to you? Christian Matt, I think he's a toss-up. If he wants to be back, he's going to be back. He's not going to play for another team. No, he's going to retire or he's going to come back. It, yeah, is he going to retire? I think that's something that he's going to think long and hard about, especially, you know, if we're sitting here and he doesn't have a ring, I think I'm going to sit here and confirm he's going to be back. Uh, riding off into the sunset, is that something he wants to do? Um I think it's it's a high possibility, um, but if he wants to be back, he's going to be back. Uh, David Brown, just looking at uh, the way that he was he was treated around the parade, that's a guy that they seem to all love in, in every every person. And I think it was Justin Lawrence when we had him on said that you know he, he's a funny guy and, and a guy that keeps mood light. Um, I think that's something you need to keep around. And um, even if he's a reserve guy and, and isn't starting, it's it's still uh, someone you want in the room. I think he should be back. Um, Landon Rice had a tough year. I don't know what they're going to do with him, to be honest. Um, didn't start kind of the back half of the year. So that one, that one's a toss up. If I had to guess, I would lean towards probably walking out the door. Mm -hmm. um, and Chris Landon Rice, I want to make it very clear, is going to go to another team and start somewhere. Yeah, a hundred percent. If he, Gagnon, if you were to leave. Gagnon and, and Gibbon, I think are a toss up. Uh, Gagnon always seems to find his way back to Montreal. Um, he stepped in, in the gray cup for Lestage being out so i don't see why they would they would let him go um jesse gibbons a guy that could start all five positions uh four i want to say he could start center but he could start both guards and, and both tackle positions um finding that that kind of player is hard so uh, i would lean towards bringing him back but i i don't know and especially uh, jesse gibbon is someone they traded for last year too so they see also, the value was also a very high first round pick uh when he came out not too long ago three four years ago so I could see them bringing him back, but of the four that we four or five that we named, I would see them probably only bringing back two or three. Yeah, um, they're not going to bring back all five. Yeah, agreed. Jumping over to the defensive side of the ball, we have Vincent Desjardins, a national, followed by two Americans in Avery Ellis and Sean Lemon. Um, started off, Shane. I know you have you know quite a bit to say about Sean Lemon. We've spoken about him in pretty much every episode this season. Um, I think he is kind of priority number one to bring back, not from a impact perspective, even though I think he'll have a huge impact. Um, I think he's priority number one, just because he is going to be an unreal mentor for the next one, two, three years, potentially um, for any young D lineman, any young defensive players that come through Montreal. And 
he's kind of made it clear he'd like to end his career here. Um, I think he wants to end his career with Noel Thorpe under an Noel Thorpe defense. And honestly, the way this season played out and the way this defense looked, I don't blame him. Yeah, you have him as priority one. I have him as priority two. Um, just kind of like we said, the impact. If if he doesn't play, if they do bring in another pass rusher, if he doesn't play every down and keep him fresh and, and let him let him ball in the playoffs and stuff like that. But uh, the mentorship that he could he could give to not only you know we said before Wall Ugwak, but but other guys like Mustafa Johnson and and whatever other pass rushers Montreal brings in, um, having a guy like that in the locker room is massive and. Um, his it, again being at the parade, you could see how much these guys look up to him and and how much they were talking to him and uh, how excited he seemed to be in Montreal. So running it back with him, I think, would be massive. Like I said, your priority one, my priority two. So he's he's got to run it back. And uh, Shaner, I think your priority number two or number one is in this next position group we're talking about. Is it not? It is. So going over to the linebackers, this is a tough list to look at. Um, three Americans in Tyrese Beverett, Darnell Sankey, and Avery Williams, uh, followed by a national Fred Shangyo, who started several games this year as well. Um, Shane, walk me through this list a little bit. Um, I think, listen, uh, I said, talked about number two, I'm going to talk about number three, and that's Bev. Um, you can't let it, him and Reggie were just so massive in, in bringing blitzes off the edge that I think they need to run it back. Reggie's obviously back under contract. Um, luckily for us, but Bev is a guy that you can't let walk out the door and he's going to earn a massive paycheck uh, way more than he was making. Um, so it, it, it's, you know, Montreal's got to throw a bag at him, I think, and, 100%. and hopefully convince him to stay because um, he's not a guy that that's easily fixable uh, and, and a position that you can, you can throw someone else else in expecting the same type of production. Um, then um it comes between Sankey and Williams I think I think you have to keep one of them you can't keep both it just doesn't make sense uh not only financially but just the fact that you're going to take one off the field um most of the time anyways and that that was Avery Williams um but Sankey's my priority one uh just the leader in the locker room he played with two young players uh in the position um in the linebacking core in Bev and Reggie and he was really um that stabilizer and and the the leader that Montreal needed on the back end. I know they have Dequad, but Dequad doesn't seem like the the most vocal guy. Oh um, no, he doesn't. No, kind of <laughs> outside of press kind of, guy, kind of a guy that uh, leads by example, and and Sankey's one of those guys that uh, can get you fired up and can get you ready to run through a wall, including us. Um, so I think Sankey is that stabilizer that Montreal needs, and you saw the way the defense turned when he when he. Um, sign and just the way he came in and said, you know what, we're not going to lose another game. We're going to win the Grey Cup. Uh, um, shows the leader that he is, and and everyone bought in. Um, but again, two young guys beside him, and he stabilized it. He's the guy that needs to be back in Montreal. If I had to choose one of the top three that I named, he's priority one. He needs to be back in Montreal, a hundred percent. Absolutely. And then over to the defensive back room, Shaner. I know you're going to have some passion for one of these guys too, um, and I will with you. <laughs> Um, three Americans on this list, Nafis Lyon, who was amazing at the beginning of the year, amazing at the end of last year. Uh, Siante Evans, who came in this year, came back to Montreal, and then Najee Murray. Yeah, I mean, I think, like I said before, the linebacker room is between uh, Avery Williams and um, Sankey uh, in the middle of the defense. And I think it's the same thing for, for the DB room between 
uh, Siante and Najee, uh, two guys that you can't afford to pay both, especially like we've been talking about guys that are are well are gonna uh, um, get big pay raises. Um, Najee Murray is the guy to me you have to keep. He's a guy that can play linebacker too. Um, if Bev or Reggie, uh, God forbid, go down, like we saw him before Reggie kind of stepped in and took his role um, in the outside linebacker position. And he was leading the team in tackles and was a top three in, in the CFL in tackles at the time he went down. He was massive for the defense in his first year playing linebacker in the CFL. Um, guys like that, guys with versatility are guys you want in the CFL. Siante could play inside or outside. He's mostly a halfback. Doesn't really play outside corner too much. And he definitely doesn't play linebacker. Um, so you definitely need to keep the guy that could play all three of those positions. Um, and that's Najee Murray. And that's probably another guy that was getting ready to get a big paycheck before he got hurt. So I don't know how that contract's going to look now. It's still going to be um, kind of a, a big bump in his salary, but um, not as big as it probably would have been had he played the whole year. But people are forgetting how big he was for this defense because he didn't play in the back year. He was um, unbelievable. unbelievable. He was well on his way to a defensive player of the year nomination in my Absolutely. In, in my mind. And not a guy you can let walk out because there's going to be eight other teams sitting there throwing a bag at him, hoping to God that he goes there. Absolutely. 100%. And I think it's exciting, right? There's a reason you and I fell in love with his game um, two years ago, and that was his play on defense, right? Oh, on At DB, sorry. Um, and I think with the emergence of Reggie's double field becoming – an unbelievable outside backer and he's not a guy you can move he, he, no no the way he played at the end of the year you can't move him for anyone um and then obviously bev on the other side you're going to be able to see Najee go and play corner probably or play half um and it's where it, it's a position he thrived in two years ago so i'm fired up for him to get that opportunity to go back to the position where he's most comfortable um and obvi obviously like if he plays halfback having him bev Reggie and Darnell Sankey in the middle of the field somewhat is unbelievable. Like that's an unreal. And if you look at how, how Noel Thorpe runs his defense and how many blitzes he brings up from this halfback and outside linebackers, you're looking at combinations of Wesley Sutton, Najee Murray, Reggie Stubblefield, and Tyrese Beverett coming off the edge at some point, along with Sean Lemon and Law Uguak. And Matthew Betts. And hopefully Matthew Betts. But th this is a team that was starving for sacks right up to the point until Sean Lemon signed. And now you're looking at guys that fly off the edge and hit the quarterback on on a every play. Uh, it's it's something that can't be overlooked. And Najee better have a contract with the Montreal Alouettes going into next year. Absolutely. Absolutely, 100%. So that kind of does it. Obviously, the specialists, we're not looking at any changes there. We should expect... Um, any combination of Joseph Zima, David Cote, and um, Burasa at long snapper. Um, so not many changes anticipated there. All great guys who I would have no problem seeing them strap up next year. Um, Shaner here, any uh, any closing remarks as we uh, we end this episode here? We obviously have some great interviews coming, some great episodes coming, but um, anything related to free agency that you kind of wanted to get off your chest here? Uh, it's going to be a long, stressful two months uh, based on, you know, seeing who he's going to sign. And and there's going to be new faces like we did last year with all these, you know, college kids that, that could be signed. And, you know, guys Austin like hopefully, Mack. hopefully there's another Reggie Stubblefield somewhere in there that that's brought to Montreal. And and like you said, at Austin Mack, 
Um, there's going to be names that that we're not even talking about right now that have never stepped foot on a CFL field or in Canada that are going to come and hopefully ball out here too. So yeah. uh, in Danny Mac, we trust it's going to be a stressful two months, but uh, you know, I, I just, is it June yet? That's all I want to know. Absolutely. I forget June. Is it February yet? Is it February 13th yet? I want some new names and some new faces. Um, I want to interview some new Alouettes. I'm fired up for that. Obviously, last year we had the the privilege of speaking to just about everyone that signed and came in, which was awesome. Um, can't wait to do it again this year. And obviously, can't wait to bring you guys all offseason you know, interviews with your favorite players from this past year. Um, we have some awesome interviews dropping. We might have an interview to do right after this with uh, a fan favorite. But uh, as always, guys, thank you so much for tuning in. Um, and this was the Bird Flock, the pod, the official pod, not the official podcast, sorry, um, a oh. podcast, a podcast of your 2023 Great Cup champion, Montreal Alouettes. <laughs>